So now we're gonna talk about brisks, bulls, and bears. Well, anyone that's even remotely looked at the stock market understand that there's the bear and the bull, right? The bear market, boo, hiss, stock market going down. The bull market, yes, stock market going up. And so that's gonna be one of these segments. But we're not gonna try to be a stock picker. I told you from the beginning of the show, this is really about connecting with you, trying to help you learn some things, uh, tune in and, and maybe avoid some pitfalls. We might try to pick a stock or two, but there's a bazillion people out there giving you all types of advice that you're struggling to know what to do with. Maybe if you understood the public markets a little bit more, you could do something with that advice on your own. So this segment really is about empowering you to understand a little bit more about public markets and what it all means. I ventured into the public markets for the first time, as crazy as this may sound, around 9-11, another rough time in our country, and we were putting together a tri-party merger with a company called Drew Pearson Marketing. Yep, the former Dallas Cowboy, if you're sports fans, if you know, if you ever heard of a Hail Mary pass in a game, Drew Pearson was the guy that caught the Hail, Paris, uh, Hail Mary and coined that phrase. And so we had a, a pretty nice business that we grew together. That business grew from four people, it was a startup, to 4,000 people over 18 years. And in the midst of that growth, we put together a merger of three companies. And when we're about to take it public, the U.S. markets were just not there for us. And we ended up taking that public on the Hong Kong Stock Exchange. So yes, there's public markets around the world. And I learned an awful lot about that. We talked about learning curve earlier as well, didn't we? And that in that learning curve, what we want to do is we want to be able to figure stuff out before we jump in with both feet. And so I was with that company and I was one of the, uh, the CEOs of one of the divisions. And collectively we got together and we brought in some talent to help us get public. And that tri-party merging came together. And we did everything I talked about in the earlier segment. We did the SWOT analysis, we did the bed Franklin, we did everything we could do to say, could we be a strong public company? And with being a public company, how could we make ourselves better? And what would we do with the capital that could come from being public? Because frankly speaking, the only reason why you should ever become public is access to capital. It is hard to be public. There is immense scrutiny. That's why people invest in public companies, because of the oversight, because of the scrutiny, because it makes you better, because of third-party validation, because of all the auditors, because of the SEC, because of all of those triple-letter organizations that make us and keep public companies honest. So here we are. We took a company public on the Hong Kong. That's pretty cool. But what public markets exist here? If you're in a company right now and you think you're ready to be public, what are the public stock markets? Do we even know? Well, the first one is the OTC markets. A lot of people don't, don't even know that the OTC market exists. The OTC market is the lower tier of the stock market, if you will. And I, they would hate to hear that. And we were an OTC company at one time. We were on the OTC. The OTC has three levels. Okay, the level you're aspiring to be is the OTCQX. That's when you start to behave like a fully reporting company with a company that's being audited and a company that's doing quarterly filings. That's the OTC markets. And then there's 
of course, everybody knows this, the New York Stock Exchange. But do you realize there's a couple of areas in the New York Stock Exchange as well? In the New York Stock Exchange, you've got a more micro-cap uh, group of companies in the New York Stock Exchange. It actually was formerly a company. Uh, there might be a few people watching that are old enough to remember the American Stock Exchange. Well, that was bought by the New York Stock Exchange. And so there are various divisions in the New York. And then, of course, one that's near and dear to my heart is the NASDAQ. And the NASDAQ also has different levels for the size of your company. And what that means is the market cap. And I know I'm talking about terms that many of you that invest know what they are, but many of you don't. And this will be the things that we're going to cover on this, uh, on this show. We're going to talk about market cap and what it is and how it's calculated and why it matters and peer group market caps and all of those things. We're going to learn here in Brisky Business in these coming weeks to get you uh, up to speed on what public markets are and you can evaluate whether you should even consider becoming a public company and understanding the challenges of being one and maintaining being public. So one of the things that I wanted to really really talk about today and I like drawing from practical information right and I hope you don't mind that I draw from my own experiences week to week. I think that's one of the things that gives Brisky Business some, some, uh, some real, uh, what's the word? Validity. Validity. Because it's stuff that's really happening. So from time to time, uh, like I did in earlier segments, I'll bring in stuff that's actually happening with our own company and use them as real-life examples that you'll be able to see that they're out there in the public markets and that these things are happening. Um, fiction is nice, but real life, I think, gains more credibility. So we're going to try to do a lot of that on this show. I talked about uh, pivoting in a few segments. And one of the things I spoke about in the earlier segment was our pivot in one of our divisions into the hand sanitizer business. Right? That was a pivot, something we hadn't done. We, we did an assessment. We made some decisions. And we decided that would be a good idea. Well, we're a public company. So once we made that decision, being a public company, one of the things you have to do is you have to, uh, you have to be transparent. So public information has to go out in the press. So I thought this would be the perfect time in this public company setting uh, as we talk about brisks, bulls, and bears, is that we could talk about short selling. What a perfect time, and here's why. We announced that Chrysos was in the hand sanitizer business. Something completely unexpected happened. Our stock went up considerably, and the volume in our stock went up considerably. It was really not expected in any way, shape, or form. These things happen for unexplained reasons as public companies. But one of the things I always keep up as a public company, and here's your educational piece, is short selling. Wow, what is short selling? Every time I meet someone, even people that have been around the markets, they don't understand short selling. Let me give you, let me help you learn what short selling is. So long selling, simple. I buy a stock for a price and I want it to go up. That's it, I play it long. Short selling is so complicated. Why? It's not buying a stock, but playing it the other way. So you're selling something you don't have. That's complicated. We'll devote a whole segment on short selling. But here's the funny thing that can happen when you're in the public markets. The shorts, when they see a big spike, come out. Our stock had 800,000 shares short the day before hand sanitizer was announced. And the next day was up 
to $1.8 million of short sellers. We'll learn about short sellers in the coming weeks. But we're now gonna talk about Brisk's best and brightest. And for me, that's my favorite segment. It's something I've always wanted to do once I started to really track in my career. I wanted to mentor people. I wanted to mentor young people and help them avoid the pitfalls of my experiences. You know, help them get to that wisdom point, maybe with making less mistakes, like we talked about earlier in the program. And that gets me really excited and really jazzed. I've uh, had the opportunity to mentor my own children through their careers, and let me tell you, it is one of the most gratifying things you can do. Uh, and I hope I can bring, uh, bring you some wisdom and, and help you avoid some pitfalls. Wow, class of 2020. I can't even fathom what you must be feeling. Seriously, you start your senior year with the greatest job market in the history of the world, the greatest opportunity to earn, the greatest opportunity to overemploy yourselves, maybe even get paid more than you deserve, and you get hit with a global pandemic that's gonna cause 20 million people to be unemployed? Jeez, that is unbelievable and very difficult. And it's gonna be more important than ever for the saying, for you to own it, the saying being, when the going gets tough, the tough gets going, and it's tough right now. So you're really gonna to have to really dig in and suck it up. But I think the class of 2020, at the end of the day, the silver lining, you're gonna be great leaders. You're gonna be the great overcomers. You're gonna to have to work your way through this. And you started a year where it looked like it was gonna be easy. What a great time. What a great time to overcome something. It's gonna take a ton of work. It's not gonna be easy. I'm gonna back up a little bit. Yeah, I'm an old man. I graduated in 1983 from Fordham University. Magnum cum laude, by the way. Little pat on the back there. Worked really, really hard. I was lucky. I came out with a great, great job market in 83. It was unbelievable. I had something like 13 job offers when I graduated, and I could just pick whatever I wanted to do. And I picked what I was most passionate about, and that's how I started my career. On the other hand, my children. Wow. They came out, which I would have said is one of the toughest job markets. My older daughter, Melissa, graduated Wake Forest. Wake Forest University, one of the great institutions. And she comes out of school and there are no jobs. The job market is a mess. And she was looking for that opportunity, but there was none in her field. And I remember her coming to me and she could get a job. I think it was selling door-to-door -door cable channel stuff. And she said, should I take that job? I mean, obviously, people she was talking to Maybe people around her were saying, no, you can't take that. You're, you, you graduated from Wake Forest. And I said, you take it, because these are the stepping stones that you need. So she took a job door to door. We lived in Texas, 100 degree temperatures, and she's learning how to stick her foot in a slam door after four years of college and hundreds of thousands of dollars invested. Boy, you talk about character building, that makes you better. From there, an opportunity came up. I think it's so interesting and such an appropriate story. It was an opportunity to become a retail store manager 
at Sherwin-Williams, a paint company, for goodness sakes. How crazy. I'm telling you right now, coming out of Wake Forest, if the job market was great, I don't think she would have considered that. But door-to-door in 104 degrees, she was able to get into that management training program. And from there, that footprint left her in, led her into finance and then getting her master's. And right now, I'm proud to say that she's a senior person at Frito-Lay. She works for a Fortune 50, for God's sakes. That path never would have happened, or I don't believe would have happened the way it did, if not for the initial job in a tough, tough time. My other daughter, Danielle, I like to affectionately say works for a Fortune 9, nine people. Talked about passion before, didn't we? They're both in the right place at the right time. I remember Danielle coming out of school. I remember one day she put out 63 resumes, 63, and no job offers. She ended up working in an area she didn't want to work in either. But guess what happened? She worked for a small company and got a very diverse background. And that diverse background ended up being perfect, although she hated it, ended up being perfect for the Fortune 9 that she works for. And then Chris, oh my God, two degrees in biotech, and he came out in that tough job market. And what happened to him? Same thing. He ended up working in, a, in an area he didn't want to work, but now he's a senior guy with the American Heart Association in brain health. Their start wasn't what they expected it to be. And let me tell you something. I know your start is not going to be what you expect it to be, but I will tell you something. I will tell you the same thing that I gave, the type of advice I gave to my own children, and I want to give it to you. Right now, it's going to be about hard work, determination, discipline, and mindset. Do not be defeated coming out on this. You're going to have to work four times harder. You're going to have to take opportunities, potentially, that you don't want to take, but take them. It'll put you on the path. It'll put you on the right path. And I think those paths are what make you successful. So, Brisk's best and brightest, I'm talking to you. You went to school, you're coming out. We talked about earlier in the program, getting that pen out. What is your plan? What is your plan to be better? What is your plan to be better than the next person? Your competition has never been so fierce as it is in 2020. Just because unemployment is gonna be so high, you got to beat it. You have to beat it. You know, one of my mentors that I studied, he's no longer alive, was uh, Vince Lombardi. God, that guy was an incredible coach, right? A coach of the Green Bay Packers. He talked about defeating the impossible. That's what it was all about. You know, we have to learn to defeat the impossible. You're in an impossible situation. It would be easy to lay down, but you're not going to do that. You're going to pull out your pen. You're going to map out your strategy, and you're going to get your resume looking better than anyone else's. You're going to network in a way like you've never networked in your life, and you're going to land on your feet. You're going to probably take opportunities that maybe you weren't so keen on taking. But remember the story. Remember the story that I just told, that sometimes that path, although it just doesn't seem like it's the right path, it might ultimately be the right path for you. One thing I know for certain is you're going to build character. 
you're going to build a strong heart and incredible integrity. Do this once you get that job, wherever it is. Find a mentor in your company. There are people there. There are people there like me that want to help. There are people there that want to mentor you. There's people there that want your career to go to the moon. All of us understand the struggle that we are in right now in 2020. It would be easy to say you were dealt a bad hand. But let's see what's going to happen over the long haul. You're young. This is the time to build something big. This is the time to build character. This is the time for you. This is the time when we get down the road five years from now and look back that many of you are going to be saying, as crazy as that was, as horrible as the coronavirus was, it taught me how to stand up. It taught me how to be strong. And it taught me how to overcome. And I am an overcomer now that can overcome anything. With that, this concludes this show of Brisky Business. 